John, the fourth chapter, first verse. And when therefore the Lord, meaning Jesus, knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. And he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. In other words, the organized church was trying to stir up problems, trying to pit John the Baptist and Jesus against each other. How many know that wasn't going to work? Verse 4, and he must needs go through Samaria. In other words, he was compelled that he had to go through the region of Samaria on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. Verse 5, then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's somewhere between three in the, in the morning and six o'clock in the morning. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. You know what? I think, that, I think that's noon. Forgive me about that. And Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, or you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence, from whence then hast thou that living water? In other words, how do you get living water if you can't even dip something into this well to get a drink? Think about that. Let that sink in for just a moment. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, and neither come hither to draw. Now she was still, get this, in her mind, she's still equating this with a natural thing and not a spiritual thing. Well, who wouldn't want to have to not walk a mile to the well every day? Mm, we'll get to that. Look at this. Then the woman answered and said, uh, and, and so Jesus said to her, here she comes up in verse 15. She says, uh, uh, you, you can't even, uh, where am I at? I lost my place. 16. I'm in 16. Okay, so the woman said to her, Sir, give me of this water. That's verse 15. I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Verse 16, he said unto her, 
Go call thy husband to come hither. How many knows Jesus gets to the heart of the matter right away? He doesn't play around. Oh, my. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that sittest thou truly. Listen to her next words. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> Do you think? Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father, but ye shall worship Ye worship, you know not what. In other words, he's saying, you guys don't even understand. The Samaritans don't truly understand what you worship. But we, but we know what we worship for the salvation is of the Jews. In other words, a Jew has clear understanding of who we're coming to worship and all about Jacob's well, but you do not. Look at this. But the hour is coming, and now is suddenly. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. And now he just answered her spiritual dilemma about water. She's looking for something to naturally do away with the outer trappings of life. Jesus is freeing her from the inner trappings of life. Verse 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said unto him, I know that when the Messiah comes, which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. One of the few times Jesus ever said it out loud. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He laid it out clear. And upon, and upon this came the disciples and marveled, and they talked with, that he talked with the woman. Yet no man, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? In other words, no one questioned Jesus as to why he's talking to a detestable Samaritan woman. I don't think I would interrupt Jesus either, would you? Verse 28, and the woman left her water pot and went away into the city and said to the men. Now that, in other translations, just says she told everybody she could find. But there are some who believe that she only spoke to the men because of her reputation. It's possible. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. That's verse 30. She went in and said, I found the Christ who told me everything about me. Come and see. Come and meet him. And the crowd gathered. She was shacking one minute. Evangelizing the next. I just want you to understand your worth today before we leave this place. Where did I put it? I can't find. I can't even find myself today. I've been on vacation. 
I haven't, I haven't transitioned fully back. Does anybody know what this is? Thank you. It's a water bottle. If I was going to title this message today, and I am, it would be, ma'am, ma'am, you forgot your water bottle. Today, everyone is concerned about their water intake. The main thrust of this trend is to fight dehydration. Who can say amen? Mm-hmm. It's for health purposes. It's for skin issues. I don't think I could drink enough water to, to straighten out all my wrinkles now. But I'd sure like to try. It's also just sometimes simply for thirst. We were playing, what was that called? Cornhole? Some of the guys, we were playing cornhole last night. I've never played it before. And they'll probably never let me play it again. But, uh, but we played. And uh, I did not know that you could stand just a few feet away from a piece of wood that has a hole in it with a bean bag and toss it and pull muscles. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> That's why I'm trying not to show it up here. I'm trying to. And so uh, we played that game, and that was fun. But, you know, I downed two bottles of water just in that hour and a half, two hours that we were outside just playing. There's nothing like water. I don't care what you drink. There's nothing like water when you start pouring it down that goes, yes. And it's probably because 70% of our makeup is water. God knew what he was doing when he created us. And he knew what to supply us with in this life. That's why he separated the water from the land, gave us a place to live and a place to retreat to. And Pastor Colleen loves the ocean. So staying hydrated is as important as feeding the body because it is the sustenance of physical life. Who could say amen to that? And everyone who is health conscious today has their own water bottle. I often have one of these. If you have a water bottle, hold it up. Let me see your water bottle. Now, everybody, look, look around. Look around. Look around. I started to bring some of my own for uh, illustration purposes, but my wife reminded me, everybody will have a water bottle. <laughs> so some of them are fancier than others. You know, some are personalized. Some are unspillable. And for a lot of you, the larger the better. I wish she was in the room today. Uh, but Miss Robin, the tiniest person, one of the tiniest people I know, and she drinks by the gallon. But, of course, she doesn't have protrusions like this either. So I know she's healthy. And she always, always, always reminds me, Pastor, drink water. Pastor, drink more water. Pastor, drink water. I'm hearing all kinds of, of amens all over the room. Pastor Steve has learned, stay hydrated. He lives with her. He knows you must hydrate yourself. Well, for much, many of us, you know, the larger the better. And they've become what I would call a fashion accessory. 
Because I went into stores while we were on vacation, and they had whole sections of water bottles where you could personalize it, put your name on it, have your little saying put on your water bottle. And I've seen people get in almost panic mode because, where's my water bottle? In fact, Pastor Terry and Carrie Nelson, who will be here in a couple of weeks, when I was in Haiti, you know, things over there are very hard to get. And she had a water bottle like this one that she just refilled and refilled and refilled. And one day when we left church, she didn't have it. And we were all in a panic trying to find her water bottle. And we were running around because, you know, somebody might steal her water bottle. And I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying that's how important it has become to us to stay in good health. I think that's a step in the right direction, don't you? And some people have more than one water bottle just to avoid the panic of a lost water bottle. Hold yours up again. All right? Now, if you have one like mine, put your hand down. Now, let's see all of the others. Look at these personalized bottles. I've got people in this room who personalize them for you. <laughs> you got yours there. All right. <laughs> so they come in all shapes and sizes, and they're important to us. And if someone would just invent a personal water fountain that you could take with you at all times... Think about that. We know how important water is. Pastor Steve, when he was putting in the bathrooms, picked out a water fountain that we can fill our bottles with. <laughs> and it's not just tap water. Oh, it's filtered. Mm -hmm. It's filtered. It's good. It, it is satisfying from the time it hits your palate until it finds its way into the storage unit below. Just think about that. If we had a well that could travel with us. I got to hurry. I got five pages of notes here. But this is exactly what Jesus went out of his way to provide for the woman at the well. You see, the common route from Galilee to Jerusalem is to cross the Jordan River to Perea, then to Jerusalem. So they kind of did this thing. Whoop, whoop, whoop. They went around Samaria. What most people don't understand is they went to avoid the Samaritan region, but actually the shortest route from Galilee to Jerusalem is to go through the Samaritan region. But no self-respecting Jew would go through the Samaritan region and, and soil his feet with that despicable dirt from that despicable place. You say, well, that sounds prejudiced. Uh-huh. It was. To avoid the Samaritan region, often people would go out of their way to avoid any kind of confrontation with a Samaritan. And I'll explain that in just a minute. But think about what Jesus does. Jesus runs into it 
on purpose. Jesus ran into the place of conflict on purpose, being led by the Holy Spirit. You see, you cannot change what you avoid. If you're going to live a life of avoidance, you'll never change anything in your life. You'll never grow. You'll never become better. And you'll never help anyone else if you avoid the conflicts of life. Now, you may not think so, but I know that's good preaching. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, we got the best pastor in the region. Wow. I'm going to have to go over and let you pat me on the back for that. If you're visiting today or you're new to us and this is the first time you've seen me preach, it gets a whole lot worse, I promise you. <laughs> so Jesus runs into it on purpose because you cannot change things that you avoid. And the Samaritan people and the Jewish people once worshipped together after the fall of the first temple. Because the Jews who remained in the region married foreign women and thus the Samaritan people were born as half-breeds. But that caused conflict when the Jewish nation reunited and began to follow the laws of Moses again. The people they once worshipped with and shared land with and loved suddenly were now outcasts and set apart because of the religious zeal of the Jew. And I believe that we should serve God with everything we've got. In fact, Jesus instructed us to, to love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, soul, everything that you can give unto him, you give it to him. Would you agree with that? And that's good in heart. The heart of that is good, but then when you marry that to a legalism that because they are, are of mixed origin, Suddenly now we're putting them out of our fellowship and won't let them worship with us and allow them to go off and to get into pagan uh, ideologies and practices simply because we won't take the time to, to recognize them as important in the eyes of God. And the commission of Israel was to was to create a house of prayer for all nations. But they missed, they missed their opportunity. And so the Samaritan people became an outcast due to their genetics and their skewed mixed religious beliefs. Now I want you to notice something about this woman in the, in the text. She's nameless. She could have easily had her name remembered in history. But I believe the Holy Spirit left it out on purpose. Why, Pastor? Why? So that we can relate to her plight. So that we can interchange our name with hers. You're going, why do you say that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Because John points out not only are they in Samaritan territory, but which city this woman is from. It's not only that these are half-breeds who worship some of the, Jew, uh, the Judeo principles, and on the other hand, 
have a mixed bag of other things they've mixed in to their worship. If that's not bad enough, <laughs> this lady is from Sychar. Sychar means liar. Sychar means drunkard. This might explain five husbands. She's from a party place. She's from a place where debauchery rules and reigns. She's from a place where religion is the last thing you think about while you're satisfying your flesh. And, Sark, and Sychar is located one mile from Jacob's well. Samaria is in the northern region of the united Israel during the time of Christ. Today, both the well of Jacob and the town once referred to as Sychar is in the west bank of Israel, also referred to the name of Tel Balata. Jesus' actions would have angered religion that he made way to this well. The Jews would rather abandon the heritage of Jacob than to enter into the place of mixed and mixture. So Jesus broke two taboos. He went through a detestable, misguided region of social outcasts. Second, hmm, to find him having a conversation with a woman who would have been religiously unclean and genetically unclean by her actions. Aren't you sick of church? I'm not talking about gathering. I'm not talking about us coming together to worship. But aren't you sick of the legalized, organized? Huh? Now, I'm not talking about a, a wild, frenzy free-for-all. There's order in the house of God. But what I'm talking about is when we can't allow people grace because of belief. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying because I am not a greasy grace person. I don't believe you can just live however you want to. I believe that there's a biblical standard for how we are to conduct our life and we are to try to live our life to start measuring up to that standard. But we've got to have patience with people who either don't know or partially know or have been introduced to things that cause them confusion. Can you be okay with what I just said? So may I remind you that Jesus was driven to be there, dispatched by the Father to go into a region of liars and cheaters and partiers, a place no self-respecting rabbi or minister would go. Yet the Father told him to go there. The Pharisees of the day, the Sadducees of the day, they would have went around the city and if they had touched even a morsel of the dirt of Samaria, they would have had to stop and go through a ceremonial cleansing. 
Talk about make somebody feel dirty and worthless and unwanted. When that's not the heart of Father God at all. So look at this. He was on a mission. Passion Church, we have the same mission. In fact, Jesus called it the commission. It's where we partner with him to help finish his mission he started. Tag your it. Look at your neighbor and say, tag your it. Our commission is to go get the lost. Go get the lost. Whether they're from inside the building or outside of the building. Whether they live in a way we approve of or don't, our mission is to try to go get them. You cannot force anyone to accept Jesus Christ. But if you can live it before them, you can make it so attractive they won't want to live without it. Is this all right? So, our commission is to go get the lost, to go get the unwanted, to break a few taboos without sin. I don't have to belly up next to a guy in the bar in order to reach him. All I have to do is be friendly to him. Treat him with respect. Treat him like God loves him, like God loves him as much as God loves me. We must confront the loss. If you'll notice, Jesus didn't join in this woman's sin. He called her out of it. And he confronted it. And we're so busy worrying about who we're going to offend, we don't want to say anything. And we're so afraid of the backlash, if I tell, I'm going to say it, you know me, you know me. If I stand before someone who is gender confused and tell them it's not the way of the Lord, everybody in the room, (sighs) but what's worse, leave them in their sin or tell them they're in a sin? If I leave, yes, thank you, I was going there. If they're in a place that's on fire, and I happen to walk by my neighbor's house and I see fire coming out of the windows and smoke rolling. I'm going to run and beat on the doors. I'm going to beat on the windows. I'm going to scream. I'm going to try to make entrance if it's possible for me to get in to let them know this place is burning. You're going to die. We would make that person a hero. But if... You just verbally try to get somebody out of the fires of hell. Society is going to eat you up. And quite honestly, half of the church is going to eat you up and beat you up. I would never be ugly to somebody who is outside of the covenant of Christ. But for the grace of God, that was me. But now that... I am a representation of Christ. I can share with them something that will change their life forever. I can help them get their bucket to the bottom of the well of living waters and they can begin to drink of the sustenance of eternal life. (laughs) Don't egg me on. 
You see, they need the truth. So Jesus gets weary in his journey. It's around noon. Can I just say this to my new lit students and to those who've been through lit and those who serve in this house? Just tune your ear in for just a second. There's a price to pay when searching for souls. It costs you something to make all of the decor and the majesty of our children's crusade. It costs you something to be here every night. It costs you something to go out of your way to spend time with those children and to pray for them, not just when they're here on Sunday morning, but you're praying for them throughout the week. It's costly. There's a price. And ministry at times is exhausting. And those of you who work and are bivocational in the ministry God has called you, your load's even more. Sometimes ministry can just wear you out. And it's in those moments sometimes when you're the most tired, the most worn out, that God says, I need you to go to Samaria. Just when you're like, I could just sit in my chair, Lord, and eat potato chips and drink me a Coca-Cola. Oh, come on. And I could, I could just veg out right here with Looney Tunes. I know most of you don't even know what that is. I'm a Three Stooges guy. Come on. Come on. But it's just in those moments and you'll hear the Holy Spirit and you know it's him. This is what happened to Jesus. He's getting ready to walk around Samaritan, the Samaritan region. And he hears the Holy Spirit say, I need you to go in. Find Jacob's well. You're about to have an encounter. True passionate ministry can be demanding. It can be taxing both to the natural and spiritual being. But because of his journey, Jesus is thirsty. He's dry. He's parched. He is in physical need. The well of living water stations himself on a well of natural supply. I want to point this out to you. Ministry is demanding. Where did Jesus go? The one place his need could be satisfied by the well. But may I suggest the well was sitting on a well. The well was sitting on the well. <laughs> and so the little woman comes along. She sees the well of life sitting on a well that sustains natural life. And she gets engaged in a conversation with him. What is wrong with the clocks around here? Thank you. So here she is, and here he is. 
He asks her for a drink because he has a need and no natural means in which to draw with. Now, we know he's God. If he needed a drink, the ground would have sprung it forth had the Holy Spirit led him. But look at this. So he asks for help with his need. This is what we call icebreaker. It opens a conversation. And so here she is in the most horrible condition and need of life. Probably not happy with who she is. And she's at the well at noon. The other women would come to the well probably in the earlier morning. She's probably avoiding the other women of her community because of her reputation. He'll steal your, she'll steal your husband. She'll steal your husband. She'll make eyes at your husband. She'll steal your husband. I won't have nothing to do with her because she'll steal your husband. Don't be friends with her. And she comes and a Jew, she knows by his clothing, she knows by his look, he's a Jew. And he asks her for a favor. And she's, her mind is, how is it you, a Jew, would ask me for something to drink? <laughs> and then Jesus opens up, you know what? I could give you a drink from a well that would keep you from ever coming back to this one. And she's going, you haven't even got a pail to help yourself. How are you going to help me? <laughs> Why are you talking to me? She's thinking in her heart, if you knew who I was, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't talk to me. And Jesus is thinking in his heart, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water to satisfy your internal thirst. I have water that will quench your thirst forever. It's a living well. And she traveled there for a mile every day. Wouldn't it be nice to end the arduous journey once and for all? <laughs> so she says what's in her heart. Give me this water, please. Can I tell you that was the moment of salvation for her? I'll take what you have. Do you know when I came to the altar, it was, I'll take what you have, God. It ain't working my way. So what do you have? Because I'll take that. I'll receive that. And so she says, give me of this water. It doesn't even say if Jesus ever got a drink of water from her. She says, give me this water. So Jesus says, sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go call your husband. Listen, you think salvation is free. It's not free. Oh, I'm going to.
mess this whole house up. Salvation will cost you everything. Three people like that. The rest of the house is going, you talk like a foolish man. Heretic, somebody. Let's, let's call. Let's call the government something. Salvation isn't free. Salvation costs you you. The most valuable thing you have. The most valuable thing you have is you. And that's all God wants. He wants you. But now listen to this. Listen. Here is the real beauty of this. When you come to Christ, it's easy to say, yes, give me of the water. It's not easy to say, I will change. Everybody. It's not easy to say, yes, I'm ready for change. Did you know change is one of the hardest things for the human psyche? If you get locked into a pattern, it's very, very, very hard to change. This woman is locked into a pattern. So he says, go, call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus comes back. You told the truth. You've had five. You've had five. Now, how do you think she feels right now talking to a Jew who thinks he's superior anyway? In her mind. You ever, you ever tried to share some faith with somebody who's not a believer the way that you are? And you begin to share that little nugget of truth with them. And pretty soon you got a battle on your hands. They're fighting you. Because they don't want to change. And so he said, you told the truth. You've had five. And now you are shacking. He couldn't just go, you've had five, and leave it at that. He had to point out her current condition. That's your past, and this is where you are now. You say you want living water, but do you want living water? And the moment he said that, she goes, seems to me that you are a prophet. (laughs) Now, remember, she lives in a party town of liars and drunkards. She's had five husbands. Now think about that. She's had five husbands. Do you really think it was all five of those guys were horrible? All the women in the house went, well, it could be. Just very well could be. (laughs) No, she is the common denominator. She's the common denominator. She lives in a place of liars and drunkards. It's not hard to play a game of deception and to get yourself drowned out from the memories that haunt you until you have to go to the well. She goes, are you a prophet? So, She did what most people do. The moment you confront their situation, here's what they do. They start a religious argument to get the focus off of them. (laughs) I start 
talking to somebody about Christ. And the next thing I know is we're locked into a thousand questions from them. Each one skewed just a little bit from the truth. Well, doesn't the Bible say that cleanliness is next to godliness and your shoes are dirty? Well, actually, the Bible doesn't say that. But they'll come up with every religious thing they've ever heard and try to argue with that. Or they'll remind you, I'm Baptist. When I went door knocking several years ago and inviting people to church, I met more Baptist people than the town had population. And then I drove by the Baptist church and they had three cars. It's a quick way to get you off the step. A quick argument. Well, that's your truth. No, that's God's truth. That's what's wrong with our society. Everybody wants to define their own truth. But the real truth is there's only one truth and it's found in Jesus Christ. Am I being too hard? I'm almost done. If my musicians would like to come at this time would be a good time. So she did what people do to get the focus off of her. But Jesus gives her her first drink of living water. Because in the middle of their conversation, she's telling him, you Jews, you think that Jerusalem's the only place that people can worship. And we Samaritans think it's here at the mountain. And Jesus tells her, said, lady, it's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship. He straightened her out. He said, you have some things. You're, you, what you believe is, is skewed, so you don't really know the fullness of the truth. But I, remember he revealed to her who he was. I, the Messiah, am showing you the face of the Father. And this is who, this is who you are after. You're after the same God I serve. You're after the same Father because we're born of the same Father. The Messiah is letting her know and letting her in on what the religious crowd could not digest. That life that's coming here from Jacob's well isn't about its ancestry or its ability to produce nourishment to the natural needs of man. But it is about the obedience of following God in intimacy. For God is a spirit. And he supersedes the natural laws of man. Yes, he provides what we need naturally, but his greatest desire is to help you change your condition. To rescue from the torment or the tormenting thirst of who am I? How did I get here? Why do I do these things that I despise and hate myself for in the morning? Why can't I quit? 
Will this drudgery and loneliness ever end? Will I die like this? Can I ever truly change? And I think the most telling question of all is, why am I here? What is my purpose? Is it just to hang with a bunch of liars that I can't believe? And people who stone themselves just to survive? Is it to wake up and sit in front of my computer and detest myself for the images I allow in my mind? Is it breaking a vow to someone else, leaving devastation in their heart, and then waking up knowing I shoveled dirt into their clean path. The well came to the well to help a hurting soul. Someone who needed God in the worst way but didn't know how to find him. And we'll sit in our sealed walls while our neighbors struggle with life. This region has been rocked with teen suicide. Because life today is overwhelming for an adult it's overwhelming for an adult without Jesus but then take a tangled set of emotions and a mind that's changing and a body that's changing feel like you have no place to turn, no one to talk to, when all of your answers aren't answers at all, when you dabble with this and you dabble with that because it's alluring at the moment and it's fun for a season. That's what the Bible says. Until you're in the middle of something new and suddenly it's put a hook in you. And as much as you want to swim away, you cannot. It has you. Insert your name. Insert your name 
where the woman at the well was. It's me, Lord. It's me. Without you, this will never work. You see, the world wants to confuse you. Let me explain. I'm almost done. Is it okay if I finish, though? Let me finish. In my lifetime, in my lifetime, we took prayer out of school. We took the Ten Commandments, commandments down from every governmental institution. We forbade Bibles. The very foundation that our nation was founded on that kept generation after generation standing up, fighting together, working together as I've all been stripped away. And now we're on about the fourth or fifth generation. And it's my generation that's now leading the nation. And I apologize to you. What we thought would make us shine in the world has set such a blanket of confusion over the young and the old alike that our nation is divided. And I can walk into the room with a heart of truth only to end in a religious argument with someone who hasn't lived long enough to see how the story ends. Our nation needs a drink. Our youth need the well. And I, for one, want to just stand in the reign of God. To my leaders, the enemy's design is to make us so weary we won't come to the well anymore that we'll choose vegetation on our couch. To make us feel it's too hopeless to raise your voice. To make us feel like it's wasted motion. we found out this year in our 4th of July parade and our little gathering the next week. There must be power in our beliefs and in the release of them because it's agitating 
God, little g, of structured society. <laughs> In that moment, she said, let me taste that water. Jesus said, sure, just a minute, just a moment. And I'll let you drink to your heart's content. But what are you going to do about your condition? Because you can't live both. You have to choose God completely unadulterated his way and not my way or you have to choose to go back to the condition that you're already used to and God knows that's not an easy decision for some but it's the only one that will have you drinking from the living well for the remainder of your life and that was the moment when she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. And he said, she said, but I know there's a Messiah coming. And when he comes, he'll fix it. And Jesus said, I am. He used the covenant name of God. I am He. I am. That day she learned it's not about where I go. It's about who I go to see. It's not about Jerusalem. It's not about Samaria. It's not about human order or human tradition. It's about heart to heart with God himself. And that day, that day, she took off like a bolt of lightning and left her water bottle. She forgot all about her natural need the moment she drank into her spiritual need. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the life that is in your word, for the truth, Father, that's been released in this room. God, I pray that rather people are streaming or physically in this room or watching by television later, that right here, right now, this is the defining moment. I choose life. I choose God's life for me. Would you stand?